Mid-market-sized businesses are where the true economic action in business really is. They are nimble and agile. They're factories of growth, they lead in innovation, and they're early adopters of tech. These enterprises need the right tools, support and environment to flourish. But sadly, they're often overlooked and undervalued. Not here though. This is the Mid-Market Matters podcast, and I'm your host, Craig West. We'll explore pain points, growth strategies, and how to find the competitive edge. Welcome to SME Radio. And on this episode of Mid-Market Matters, we're joined by Babette from MindShifts, and we're going to talk about a really interesting topic for mid-market business owners, strategic planning and competitive intelligence. Babette, thanks for joining us firstly. Thanks, Craig. Glad to be with you. Little bit of background. You've got a really interesting bio and history. You've done a whole stack of things from owning businesses as an entrepreneur, writing books and articles, lecturing, directing companies. Tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to this point. I started my own consulting firm in 1992, so you can see how long it's been. And I specialized in the area I've always been passionate about strategy and competition. And so I started my consulting arm in uh, 1992 when I finished my MBA. And prior to that, I'd worked in strategic marketing roles with companies like Apple Computers, Levi Strauss, United California Bank. So I'd been in the corporate world. I'm very passionate and I learned a lot about strategy and competition with these large players. So I started my own company. I grew it, worked with Fortune 500 and top 1,000 mid-market CEOs on how to grow their business and how to be more competitive. Sadly, the United States and Europe are way ahead of us in their organization, in their endeavors to be far more competitive. We still have a bit to go. But so I ended up writing books with my colleague, Craig Fleischer, sold all over the world, used as university textbooks. Uh, Our last two books are in the top 1% of best-selling business books at Amazon, years after publication. And then I thought, well, how can I help uh, even more closely executives to make better decisions? And that's when I did training to become a professional certified coach. That's why I call myself the decision-making maverick, because I help people make better decisions and hopefully organizations in turn. So that's that's a bit of a nutshell. I'm interested in a couple of things that you said. You mentioned strategy and competition was always sort of a focus for you. How did that come about and why is that so important for mid-market businesses to think about? I may be a little controversial, but I'm going to say this. Any idiot knows how to cut costs. Yep. You know, yep. give it to a small kid. He knows pocket money, he knows how to, where he's got to spend it and where he's not. So when you've got CEOs of mid-market or large firms cutting costs, I know you're talking to someone who is really not competent at understanding the market in which the organisation is growing. I feel really strongly about this, have seen it, because it really takes skills to grow your market. Your revenue comes from outside your organisation. It doesn't come from inside and cutting costs. So the question is then, how do you grow your organization? How do you grow your revenues? And most executives have no idea. Did you think that Airbnb or Uber existed one day and 24 hours later they had this global market? No. No, There were signals. There were things that happened. 
So who was monitoring the competitive environment of the hotels? Who was monitoring the competitive environment of taxis? You know, Uber didn't come out of nowhere. There were signals. There yes, was things yes, that were happening absolutely. in the marketplace. If you don't understand what's happening in your marketplace, how do you grow your revenues? And that's my question to you. <laughs> no, that's fantastic because I think you're quite right. Business owners, CEOs, if you like, are so busy day to day just keeping the thing running and fixing issues and dealing yep. with regulation and compliance and all the other stuff they yes. have to handle. They often don't have time to look at the market and the compet- what you call competitive intelligence. So, so if I'm the, a CEO of a mid-market business, how, what do I do? How do I do that? It so sounds really easy when you say it, but I'm sure it's not. It, it takes work. All your CEOs, all your family owners of businesses and everything know that where they got to, to be in the mid-market, took a lot of hard work and a lot of sacrifices. Okay? It doesn't happen easily. Neither does growing your revenue and knowing your market. So first of all, I want to be clear. Competitive intelligence is all about understanding your competitive environment. It's not just about competitors. This is what most people have in their heads. I'm going to use some old examples because Mm -hmm. I think that's the easiest. Let's say you're a mid-market company in wines and alcohol. So when the RBT came in, that was from a government perspective that changed your competitive environment. It wasn't competitors that changed your environment. Technology can change your competitive environment. Social behaviours. So we know that consumers are becoming far more environmentally concerned. So how are you adapting your products and services to address that market segment so that you can be playing in that market instead of becoming irrelevant? Um, These are the questions. It's not just your competitors. It could be government issues. It could be legal issues. So, for example, airlines know that when there is a terrorist attack or when there is uh, serious global issues or an air crash, what happens? Seats are available on planes. Uh, People don't travel as far. Um, So they're impacted. So the airline industry, how has that been impacted by video? Here we are Skyping. Don't have to be there with you. I have clients all around the world. Don't have to travel to them. You know, this is what I'm saying. It's not just your competitors that change your competitiveness. It is things like government, technology, uh, international events, substitutes instead of travel. We could use videos, uh, social changes, consumer changes, all those kinds of things. It's also um, large conglomerates buying up smaller players and shelving some of their businesses so that they can keep what they've got. There's a whole heap of things happening in a competitive environment for a mid-market player, particularly one that's looking to grow. So my question to them is always, where do you want to be five years from now? And some will say, well, I don't even know where I want to be one year from now. Well, that's fine. You might be wiped out by then. But if you don't have an idea of where you want to go and where you'd like to take the business, how do you compete? It's a bit more, though, than just goal setting and strategic planning around where I want to be in five years. It's about taking into account 
that long list of things, you know, you talked about Absolutely. government, regulation, behaviour, technology, macroeconomics, all those it. things combine. Yes. You've got to combine all those things together to understand how are you going to compete five years from now. See, your business doesn't operate in a vacuum. Nothing happens to us, even as individuals, happens to us in a vacuum. There are always signals, signposts, something. If you're not tracking it, fine. Like the taxi companies. You know, I was in Sydney recently and I was so sad to hear a taxi driver was driving me in and he was complaining. He got cut off by an Uber driver. (laughs) (laughs) So he was complaining about Uber. And I said to him, but Uber didn't happen overnight. You know that a taxi license before Uber was worth four hundred to five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Guess what a taxi license is worth today? Fifty thousand dollars. You know, some poor guys have mortgaged their homes, their lives. Yeah, it's a massive uh, loss of value, isn't it? Your point is that didn't have to happen because Uber coming was fairly obvious if you were looking at the signals. Correct. And the taxi uh, union or whoever is the co-op of, of taxi did not do its job. Yeah. You know, you could lobby the government to make things uh, different. You could get some press around safety on an Uber. You know, there's yeah. a whole heap of stuff that could have been done. And if you knew what technology could drivers use, could they form small cooperatives for particular areas? You know, there's, there was a whole lot of things they could have done. Yeah, and yet they didn't. Head in the sand, isn't it, really? Correct. And that concerns me with mid-market firms because mid-market firms are the future of large firms. You know, they're the ones often with uh, technology that's getting off the ground or a service or something that's unique or different. And they need to understand that competitive world and what could disrupt it. So give us some idea around how they might go about that. I'm the CEO of a mid-market company. I'm not really – I understand what you're saying and we need to get clear on what our competitive environment is. What are some tips around how we might go about doing that? How do we go and start that process? All right. Question, first step, what decision are you looking to make? If you don't have a decision, there's no help. There's nothing you can do. It doesn't matter what you read, what you find. It's of no value. So the first place to start is with the clear question, what decision are you looking to make? Yep. Okay? Once you've identified what that decision is, and it's not, oh, I'd like to know if, well, that's not a decision. The decision could be, if I invest $100,000 on this product development or this role, what will it look like 12 months from now? Or who are my likely uh, disruptors? Yep. Or And it's because should I invest the 100000 So let me give you a classic example. Uh, an MD many, many years ago asked us, he said to us, I want to know who's in waste oil recycling. You know, this was a mid-market firm. I knew that was a dud question. And I said to him, well, what would make you enter waste oil recycling? You know, what, you, what decision? Are you going to make with this? And he says, well, I want to know, should I enter waste oil recycling? He ran a waste manufacturing plant. And I said, okay, what would make you enter waste oil recycling? And he says, well, if I can achieve an ROI of 18% in three years, I'm interested. 
ROI is a return on investment. Yep, yep. 18% in three years, I'm interested. We looked at the market. Where was it going? Was it going uh, growing? Was it declining? How profitable was it? We came back and said to the guy, you'll never achieve an ROI of 18% in three years because, A, the suppliers of oil are teaching their companies, their clients, how to reuse the waste oil. Secondly, it's going to cost you more money than you'll get. You'll need to upgrade your plant and equipment and you won't get your 18% return of ROI in three years. However, if you still want to enter the industry, here are some options. Right. Partnerships. There was new technology also coming down about waste oil that we'd come. We'd found a, a guy in a shed at Goulburn who had <laughs> invented a new technology. <laughs> so there was all this kind of stuff. He had no idea. Yeah, and that's what you're calling competitive intelligence. It's not about the competitors. You didn't look at his competitors in that market. You looked at what's no. happening in the environment around well, that industry. Correct. He wasn't in waste oil, you see. Yeah. He yeah. wanted to get into waste oil. So he needed to upgrade his plant and equipment to enter that market. Yeah. So that okay. was a market entry question. Another client, Goodman Fielder, we want to enter this particular area or we understand these competitors are available. Which one should we buy? Which one would have the best synergy with our business? Yeah, okay. Again, yeah, okay. they were looking to get into, you know, pizza dough, frozen pizza dough. Right. You know, uh, they're, you know, pharmaceutical companies. Um, there are just so many. Uh, jeweler, I worked with a jeweler. Um, as to where designs were going in the future, what were people looking for? And that was driven a lot by social issues. There is a lot that's available out there, but if you don't understand your decision first, you'll get overwhelmed. Well, the world's like that now, isn't it? There's data and information everywhere. It is. Sometimes it's far too much because your point is make sure you know what you're looking for because there's a lot out there, but refine it down to what is your decision Excellent. and what information do you need to make that decision. Correct, you did it well. So that's the first step is what's the decision. Yep. The second step then is you and I don't know how to search the invisible web. We're not trained in it. Yep. I always use librarians. There are some fabulous, they're now called information brokers. These yep. are independent librarians and they know how to search the internet. Yep. The invisible web. We do not know that. Because Google will give you the results based on your past searching. Yep. So, for example, I use another tool called DuckDuckGo. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. I have. Okay. DuckDuckGo enables you to search in privacy and doesn't keep track of your past searches. Yep. So do the same search in Google and then do it in DuckDuckGo and you will get two completely different results. There's a great tip for a start. I love it. I love it. And because DuckDuckGo doesn't track your search history, it always gives you the latest, whatever your it, – look, it's DuckDuckGo is a bit clunky, yep. but it allows you to do things in privacy. It allows you not to track your searches, and it will give you different results to Yahoo, Bing, whatever you use, you know, Google and all of those. But you don't know how to really search the web. There's the dark web, which is all the – uh, what I call the evil stuff, <laughs> and then there's the invisible web. So people are connected to people's websites. So let me give you another example. So we were asked to do some research to find out um, who was uh, funding 
a project. I'll cut the story real short. In essence, we went to the uh, university's website and we did some search around the university's website and found that there was a backlink to Johnson & Johnson. Mm-hmm. So we'd uncovered who was funding the project. Yeah, yeah, okay. But we didn't know. If you don't know how to search a, per- a company's website, you can get, you know, you can go back in time to what was used to be on websites. So let's say a company's taken down something. Well, there is a, I can't even remember, I have to go to my folders to look. But you can go back in time to what was on that website before it was changed. Yeah, yeah. So I Which is a different type of information altogether. Correct. Why have they taken that down? What's changed? Correct. Why did they get out of it? Yeah. Yeah. And and then also results, you can get PDF. You know that you can just search for PDFs only. You can search for Excel spreadsheets only, you know, slides only. So I've got to tell you, so the first step is what decision? Second step, hire an information broker to give you the information to help you find the information you're looking for. They are qualified and trained to do this. The third thing is you need to know some analytical tools. When you collect the information, Craig, how do you sort it out? Yeah, what do you do with it then? Bingo. (laughs) So how do you sort it out? Do you put it chronologically? Do you put it the way your mood feels? Do you? (laughs) You've got to have a solid analytical tool. Um, there are, and there are, and this is what we've written our books on. And um, analysis without paralysis would be a great book for mid-market executives to have. It take, covers twelve analytical tools and how to do them, and okay. it covers most issues yep. that um, a mid-market uh, senior executive team would be concerned with. When you say so, there's twelve tools, yeah, obviously. The choice of which tool to use is an important factor because you've got 12 different options. Correct. So you'd read it. You'd, you'd see what decision. You'll, you'll see it in the book, what decision it relates to. Yeah. And then I pick the appropriate tool to help me make Correct. that data mean something to help the decision. It is your analysis of the data and information that gives you the intelligence. Prior to that, all you've got are summaries, opinions. So when I go into meetings and say, setting oh, we've got this intelligence, I immediately look for the analytical framework they used to deliver that insight. Yep. And often it's someone who wrote a report and summarised it. For example, IBIS. IBIS reports, they use Porter's Five Forces to always deliver their insights. Right. So they're using an analytical tool called Porter's Five Forces or as he calls it, industry analysis, that is clear and they look at every quadrant of the five forces when they do an industry analysis. So it's an interesting analysis project, really. I guess your your methodology there is something that's going to take a fair bit of time, but what you're saying is before CEOs or business owners go and make a key decision, a strategic decision for their business, they need to invest the time either themselves or get someone to do it for them to give them the right data to make the right decision. You got it. The classic question is, do you spend a million dollars, excuse my language, pissing in the wind, or do you spend a million dollars where you've got greater uh, surety that 
you will get something out of it. Yeah, you've got some confidence in the outcome. You've got it. You know, mid-market firms, it's a tough life at the moment. There is a lot of disruptors. There's a lot of things happening. As we say, as I do in strategic planning, when I work with clients, you're living in a VUCA world. Have you heard the term VUCA before? Yep, yep, I have. So they know that the world is volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. So how do you make good decisions in that kind of a world? You have to have some good competitive intelligence. Intelligence is the output of analysis. Even espionage operatives collect information on the ground. It's the analysts back at the headquarters that That pull it all together to draw this is what it means. More businesses need to be doing these days. Yeah, absolutely. So before we wrap up, your number one tip for mid-market businesses, what's the number one thing they should be focusing on? What's the decision they're making to grow their revenues? I thought it might be that, but I had to ask. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, what can I say? What can I say? You know, what is the decision you are making in a VUCA world? How do you keep being competitive? But, Beth, thank you for joining us. It's lots of good ideas and tips there. I can talk about this underwater. I'm I'm very passionate. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Thanks for joining us today. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to SME Radio, proudly produced by Eagle Wave Small Business Podcasting Platform. For more great episodes like this, go to smea.org.au. Remember, if you have a story to tell, we want to share it. (laughs) 